Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. The healing methods of Jesus. The healing methods of Jesus. I'm convinced, after about 40 years of ministry, that it is God's will for us to be well. I really think that God wants us to be well. That doesn't mean that everyone gets well. That doesn't mean that everyone receives their healing. But I do believe that it pleases God when we become well, when we become whole. In the scripture, Jesus employed many different methods as he worked healing in broken people. Now, I want you to notice the wording there that I used. As he worked healing in broken people. Sometimes healing is working in us before we we receive the full manifestation of it on the outside of us. But in order for healing to continue to work in us, we have to continue walking by faith. Just live by faith. Whatever we receive from God, we receive by faith. I think that Jesus used many methods of healing to let us know that He has the ability to use whatever means available to do His work. God is not in a box. God is not bound by the limitations of man. He's not bothered by the limitations of man. Why? Because He's God. He is God. And so I want to encourage you today. We're going to look at some of the healing methods of Jesus. There's absolutely no way that we can look at them all. But uh, being the teacher that I am and the Bible teacher that I am and the pastor that I am, I just love to look at things and try to get your mind working. So we're going to look at some of the healing methods of Jesus. In Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, the Bible says this. It says... And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day, speaking of Jesus. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. Somebody say spirit of infirmity. She had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work in them, therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. I will share with you the very same thing that I shared with the first service. I think that the ruler of the synagogue did not understand that healing was not work for Jesus. Healing was not work for Jesus. It was just a manifestation of His presence and of His authority and of His power. The Lord then answered this ruler of the synagogue and said, You hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall? And lead him away to watering. And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. 
Now, I want us to take a look at this particular miracle because I want us to notice a few points here. First of all, the Bible said that the woman was bound with the spirit of infirmity. Now, last week I shared with you that there are many reasons that people get sick. In fact, the, the title of the message was, Why Do People Get Sick? In fact, it could have been, Why Do Good People Get Sick? I shared with you out of the scripture that sometimes, not always, but sometimes there is a spirit of infirmity that attaches itself to people. That doesn't mean that everyone that has sickness has a spirit of infirmity, but there are spirits of infirmity that attach themselves to people. So what we have to do as men and women of God, we have to say, okay, I'm going to operate in discernment here, and I'm going to discern whether this is a sickness that is, that is there because of a spirit that's attached or not. And if it's a spirit of infirmity that's attached to someone, usually it's pretty simple to help them get healed because all you do is bind the spirit commanded to go and their body immediately responds to the miraculous power of God. The Bible said that this woman was bowed over. For 18 years she was bowed over like this. She heard that Jesus was coming to town. She comes to the synagogue. Jesus is there. She's bowed over like this. Jesus sees her there. And the Bible says that immediately Jesus looks at her and He lays hands on her. And the Bible said that He said to her, You are... Now listen. He said, You are loosed from your infirmity. He did not say you are healed from your infirmity. You understand? So that's why it's important for discernment to be working when we are praying for people. The Bible teaches us that there are gifts of healing. Now, I want to just share with you, when the Bible said that there are gifts of healing, I just want to share with you that even though there are spirits of infirmity, that there are different ways sometimes that healing is administered or ministered to people. Sometimes all we have to do is say, be loosed in Jesus' name. And if there is a spirit of infirmity that is on that person, then they can be loosed and be made whole. So this is what was going on. And so then the Bible says here, He lays His hands on her immediately. She was made straight and glorified God. And then the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Bad boy, bad boy, bad boy. You have healed on the Sabbath day. I cannot believe that you are healing on the Sabbath day. Well, first of all, why in the world would, not, would God not give this woman who had been bound for 18 years with the spirit of infirmity, why in the world would He not give her rest on the day of rest? I think the Sabbath day was the best day for her to get healed, don't you? And first of all, she had to be in the presence of Jesus, right? So she, had, she needed to be in the presence of Jesus, but the ruler of the synagogue did this. Now, here's what I want to explain to you and what I want us to see out of this, okay? There is a spirit in some people that will not let them see the good in anything. It doesn't matter how much God uses you. They've got something worked up in their head that's got them convinced of something that is totally untrue. Here's my encouragement to you. Don't pay them any mind. 
You just keep moving on. Don't be around the fault finders. Jesus handled this person. Jesus called the ruler of the synagogue a hypocrite. And you think I'm a tough preacher. Jesus called the ruler of the synagogue a hypocrite. He said, you know, he said you've got an ox or a donkey in the ditch. He says here, which one of you would not loose them from the stall and lead them away for watering? You're going to take them for water on that day, right? Why in the world would we not give her the opportunity to drink from springs of living water? Hallelujah. That brings miracles into her life. And so then the Bible says that uh, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham. So he was letting the ruler of the synagogue know that she was a daughter of Abraham. So she had every right to be healed. She could live in the blessing of Abraham. Whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years. She's been bound by Satan. That's why she was sick, loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And so probably the ruler of the synagogue stood over in the corner and hung his head in shame because... Okay. John chapter 9. Go to the right in your Bible. John chapter 9. So we see there that one of the healing methods of Jesus was for him to lay hands on her and speak to her and tell her, you are loosed from your infirmity. Now go to John chapter 9 and verses 1 through 34. We're not going to read all of those verses there, but I want to talk to you about uh, some of the things that Jesus would do to create a miracle there. And I want to, I want to explain to you and show you that sometimes uh, God can ask us to do odd things. Right? As Jesus passed by, He saw a man which was blind from his birth, and His disciples asked Him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? First of all, the disciples, the, the disciples were still steeped in law. They thought that this man was blind from birth because of sin. Why? Because the, sin, the, the law was a taskmaster. Master. And there had to be a price that was paid. And so they, were, they still had law mentality. And Jesus looked at them and said, Neither this man sinned nor his parents that he was born blind, but that the glory of God could be made manifest. Now I want you to understand, it wasn't the sickness that brought the glory of God to be manifested. It was the healing that brought glory to God. And so we go on here and the Bible says here that Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest. Verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Verse 6, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now we get a visual of that. But all that blind man got was, Lord, I would like you to receive my sight. And the next thing he heard was... He probably trying to figure out what was going on. I mean, he couldn't see anything, right? He couldn't see anything. So Jesus spits on the ground, makes play of the, clay of the spittle, and takes that clay, puts it on his eyes, and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which the Bible says means sent. And the Bible said he went and washed his eyes in the pool of Siloam. 
and he came back seeing, so he received his miracle. What would have happened if the blind man would have said, I just don't agree with your methods? <laughs> Think about it. Well, Pastor, I just don't agree with the way that you pray over me sometimes. Or I just don't agree with... You know, what if the blind man would have said, I don't agree, Jesus, I want you to heal me, but don't you be spitting in the mud and putting that on my eyes and telling me to go... The blind, that probably didn't even cross his mind. He just went. He just went. It was his activity of faith. He just went. He washed in the pool of Siloam. He came back seeing. And guess what happens? The rulers of the synagogue get offended because Jesus did what? Healed on the Sabbath day. How shallow. How shallow. So then they look at this blind man and they said, Who healed you? And he said, Jesus did. And they said, No, no, no. He can't be of God because he healed on the Sabbath day. Now, how did you get healed? He said, Jesus healed me. They went to his parents and they said, Who healed him? And they said, Ask him. You know why they said that? Because they were more afraid of the rulers of the temple than they were of the power of God. They were afraid they were going to get thrown out of the temple even though they had seen their son for 40 years. Born blind. The Bible said the neighbors saw him seeing. And still, they come to his parents and they say, you just need to ask him. So they go back to him again and they say, how did you get healed? He said, Jesus healed me. And they threw him out of the temple. Can you imagine coming to church, getting your miracle, and getting thrown out of the building? That is exactly what happened. And here's the point that I want to make to you on this. Not everyone will rejoice with you when you get your miracle. You want to rejoice, you're going to shout, you're going to praise the Lord, you're going to be so excited, you're going to want to tell everybody... And here's one of the things that I found out is there, sometimes there are people who do not rejoice with people who get their miracle. Now, let me say this very tenderly because I think it's very important for us to approach this in a tender way. Most of the time, the people who will not rejoice with you do not rejoice because they had someone in their life who they prayed for and they did not get their healing. Maybe a spouse... Passed on, went ahead and passed away. Maybe a child went ahead and passed away. Husband or wife or grandma or grandpa or somebody went on and passed away. And so sometimes it's very difficult for people to rejoice with us. Why did God heal you of cancer but my husband died of cancer? You see what I'm saying? So here's my words of advice to you as a pastor. You know I'm not an evangelist when I'm here. I'm a pastor. Here's my words of advice to you. Be tolerant with people. Be compassionate with people. If they don't bounce off the walls when you got your miracle, don't be real quick to judge them. Just pray for them. Keep your heart right. Keep your spirit right. And for goodness sakes, don't let them stop your praise. You go ahead and give God praise. You go ahead and give God worship. You go ahead and magnify Him and exalt Him and lift Him up where He belongs. Why? Because He healed you 2,000 years ago and for some reason you were able to act 
access what He paid for and receive the manifestation of the healing in your body. And now you can be a walking testimony of God's supernatural power to heal today. So don't let people dampen your spirits, but try to understand where they're coming from and try to minister to them through their pain. So, you know, I mean, this guy, he gets healed and what happens? He gets thrown out of the temple because he got his miracle. How crazy is that? Matthew chapter 8. Healing methods of Jesus. Matthew chapter 8. So we see where Jesus reached down and He touched someone and told them to be loosed from their infirmity. We see where Jesus went, made spit, clay out of a spittle, told somebody to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And now let's look at a few other methods of Jesus, all of them in Matthew chapter 8. And there are many other methods in the Scripture. But in Matthew chapter 8 we find three uh, particular miracles. There's more than that, but I'm talking about physical miracles. We, uh, we see where Jesus cast out demons uh, later on and everything. But in, but in verse number 1, When He'd come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed Him. And the Bible said, There came a leper and worshipped Him, saying, Lord, if Thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean. Jesus put forth His hand and touched Him, saying, I will be thou clean, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now I want us to just look at this for just a few moments. First of all, this leprous man came to Jesus and he said this. He said, If you will... You can make me clean. And Jesus said, I will be clean. Now, some people say, well, but you teach that the Word of God says that God has already done everything for you that He can at Calvary. That's true. This was before Calvary. Now, let me say it like this, okay? Jesus was the embodiment of the supernatural power of God when He was walking the face of the earth. Everything that He would later give to the church through the brokenness of His body on Calvary was still residing inside of Him. So this man's healing was in Jesus. And so He comes to Jesus and He says, Lord, if You will, You can make me clean. And Jesus said, I will be Thou clean. And immediately the man's leprosy was cleansed. When he came to Jesus and said, If you will, you can make me clean, that was the leper's activity of faith. That was his activity of faith. He had to activate faith in order to receive the cleansing in his body. Now what if 24 lepers would have come to him and said, If you will, you can make us clean. More than likely, Jesus would have looked at them and said, I will be clean. And 24 lepers would have gotten cleansed. But one came. And so the one who activated his faith received the miracle of cleansing. The Bible said he, Jesus put forth his hand and he touched him. He touched this leprous man and he said, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See that you tell no man, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer a gift that Moses commanded for testimony unto them. Then we go to verse number 5. And we find yet another miracle. 
This was after Jesus coming down out of the mountain. You've got to get this picture. Jesus comes down out of the mountain. Great multitudes are following him. A leper comes to him. Jesus cleanses him. And then Jesus enters into Capernaum, probably with this great multitude still following him. Jesus enters into Capernaum, and, and a centurion comes to him and says, Lord, my servant is at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus says to him, I'll come and heal him. See, here's the thing that I want you to understand here. Jesus is more than willing to heal anyone who will let him. He wants us to be healed. He did not die in vain. He did not take those stripes on his back in vain. It's the will of God for us to be healed. It's the will of God for us to be whole. So this centurion comes to him and he says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Then he explains why he knew this would happen, why he knew this would work. The centurion explains why he knew this would work. He said, I'm a man under authority. Somebody say authority. authority. I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goeth. To another, come, and he cometh. To my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Verse 13, Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. The healing methods of Jesus. The centurion comes to Jesus, says, I have a servant that needs to be healed. Jesus says, Okay, I'll come and heal him. The centurion says, I understand authority. I know all you have to do is speak the word. Boom. I know all you have to do is speak the word. Psalms 107 and verse 20 says, He sent His word and healed them. That's what it says. Jesus turned around to the multitude, to the people that was around him, to his disciples, and he said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And it's almost as if he was saying, finally, somebody gets it. And Jesus looks at this centurion later on after, you know, talking for just a few moments there and making a few other points. Jesus looks at him and he makes this statement, Go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. The centurion's activity of faith was to come to Jesus and say to him, all I need you to do is speak the word of authority over sickness, over disease, and I know my servant will be made whole. Can I tell you right now, God has already spoken over you? 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. He's already spoke, 
spoken over you. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be healed. He wants all of us to live in divine health. It's God's will for us to have divine health working inside of us. It's God's will for healing to be working inside of us. And He has already spoken over us. Jesus spoke the word. And the word that He spoke to that centurion was what you have believed God for. Let that be done unto you. I want to ask you today, what are we believing God for? What are we believing God for? Then we go later on into that chapter, the next verse. And I'm going to have a talk with the Lord about this. The Bible said that he walked into Peter's mother-in-law's house and she had a fever and he reached out and touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose up and ministered to them. And the question I'm going to have for God is, why would you let Jesus walk around healing mother-in-laws? I love my mother-in-law. She's here, that's why I had to say that. But Peter, Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. A fever meant that there was infection in her body. Jesus walks up to her and touches her hand. The fever breaks. That means the infection left. And the Bible said that she got up and she rose and she ministered unto them. And then you go on down in verse number 28. And of course, you see here in... in, um, uh, in verse number 23 about Jesus still in the ways. But in verse 28, the Bible said that Jesus was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes and there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. He didn't say, Now let's sit down and talk about this. Let's have a theological discussion about this. Let's have a Bible lesson about this. He didn't say, He just looked at them and said, Go. And the Bible said they went out, they, they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea, perished in the waters, and they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to those, those possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. They were more concerned about losing the pigs than they were about those two people getting free. What's holding us back? I'm getting ready to wade out in real deep water here. Are you ready? You know I'm a straight shooter, right? I've heard this over and over again. I kid you not. Well, Pastor, I want the Lord to take the pain away 
but I don't want him to take the sickness away because if he does, I'll lose my medical disability check. I've heard it over and over and over. I'd rather be healed. Thank you very much. And you may not say it, but if you think it, that's holding you back. And I'm a straight shooter, so I'm going to say it. What is your swine? What's my swine? In other words, what's holding me back? What's holding you back? I want to encourage you today. He wants us well. He wants us to be healed, healthy, and whole. These people came and they said, you got to leave. You messed up our livelihood by healing these two people. Had you ever seen that before? Had you ever thought about that? Let me tell you something. The same God that has the power to heal your body is the same God that can take care of your livelihood. Come on, give Him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the conclusion of the matter today is simply this. God is not bound by just one or two methods to heal us. God can and He will work healing in any way that He chooses. Jesus took one man outside of the city gates because He saw him in His trees walking. He was in the wrong atmosphere. Then He received His healing. Healing was working in Him. He received the full manifestation of it. And my encouragement to you today and to all of us today is we can, we can be healed. We can be whole. We can be healthy. He loves us that much. He loved us so much that He allowed Himself. The Bible puts it like this. He gave His back to the smiters and His cheeks to those who plucked off the hair. He offered his back for the whipping that purchased our healing. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we are healed. Healed. Think of it. Healed. No more pain. No more sickness. Or the sorrow that it brings. We're healed. All we have to do is receive it. Lord, I receive it. By faith, I receive it. Let's stand. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. 
or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.